This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Heliers. Calamero has been offering up gourmet pizzas and pastas since 1992. Head down this week and claim your podcast discount. It is Saturday, the 7th of December 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 69 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. And if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Right, so this is going to be the second to last episode of the year. There will not be a recording next week, but the following week I'm going to be interviewing a CEO of a well-known New Zealand company. And I'll publish the episode on either, I guess, the the Friday the 20th or Saturday the 21st of December. So we'll call that the Stock Market Movers Christmas Special. See if you can guess who that CEO is and, and send me a message if you like. Um, hope that you have enjoyed the podcast during the year, by the way. Um, I would never have expected that it would be knocking on the door of 70 episodes. I thought that I would do a few, nobody would listen, and then I would, I would lose interest. So I really uh, appreciate your support. Um, it'll be interesting to see how long I can keep it going for as well. So we had the meetup the other week as well. Um, so thanks to all those that showed up. I really appreciated it. Um, what were some of the things we talk, talked about? Um, the wider market environment came up, obviously, whether this is a long, well, after this long bull market, we're nearing the top, or if there's some sort of macro event coming up that will result in a sustained bear market like 2008 or 2009. I couldn't really add much value to that conversation, unfortunately, but I guess my opinion is that most of the good companies, the, the stocks are not currently that cheap. Um, and that is a sweeping generalisation, of course, but I believe it to be largely true. Um, I, don't, I don't spend too much time focusing on the macro environment. That's what a lot of people focus on, a lot of smart people, and I don't really add any value there. Um, I guess what I would say as a caveat to what I just said is if, if interest rates remain low for a very long period of time, then the stocks will turn out to be not that expensive right now. Um, and of course, some of those really expensive stocks, they're great companies, will deliver on those growth expectations that the value suggests and the, and the valuation suggests and they'll turn into really big companies. So I think it is important to differentiate the stock from the company. You can be a, a, a great company, but a terrible investment and, and vice versa. You can be a not very good company, but a great investment. So it's important to know the difference. Um, what else did we talk about? We talked about how much to allocate to a stock and different ways of going about it. There's no right or wrong way. Um, well, I guess there is. Uh, my, my personal approach is not really out of the textbook, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend it and no financial advisor recommend it. But basically, I, I look for an idea or a stock and then I take whatever spare money I, I have at the time and invest it. I've tried lots of other ways, you know, the classic 10 tocks, 10% each, or waiting by volatility, and that's a bit more complicated and, and all that sort of stuff. But I found that it involves too much thinking, it doesn't really work for me. Um, if it works for you, that's cool, you, you do what works for you. But for example, the reason why 10% and each doesn't work for me is because then you have to go find 10 stocks and what if I can only find four and blah, 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 blah. So I think most allocation principles also work well in the setup of your portfolio. So say if you've got your 10 grand to invest and you go and invest $1,000 in each, but it, I don't think it works that well in practice. For example, someone like myself who was working, in theory, I'm going to be contributing more across time. Um, so I, I need something that allows me to do that without being too technical. So... That's what I do. If, if I just 
the money just keeps building up in the account as I keep on working and everything like that. And then when I find a good stock idea, I, I invest it all. <laughs> it's not that complicated for me. Um, it, it's it's all, also scalable. It, it works well when you're starting with a thousand dollars. You invest your thousand dollars and you're off. Um, and and it works all the way up to any amount. Um, it, it it really does. So it's scalable. Um, not not that I have to think about scale in my investing or anything like that. But it, it, it is scalable. So it it solves that problem. It, it also means I'm not forcing things. When when I have an idea, I invest the money that I have until that time. Let it build up. Um, it's. It's not optimal in many ways, I realise that, but it is practical and it's easy for me and it doesn't take any mathematical calculations or, or formulas. We talked about Geneva Finance. A, a gentleman there asked me to look into it for, for him. For me, that, that is a company that I pass upon after about 30 seconds, so I, I just move on. Um, not because it's good or, or bad company or anything like that. I, I have no real view there, but just because it's outside of my wheelhouse. Um, Geneva Finance is a stock that I've never talked about on the podcast because of that. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code GFL, and you're probably familiar with them. They're, they're a pretty well-known company, at least in terms of what they do. They're, they're a pretty simple company to understand as well. So you know, you, you want some money, say for a car loan, you go to them and they lend the money to you at an interest rate, say 10%. They borrow that money at a lower rate and pocket difference. So it's pretty simple. Um, how does it accounted for is a difficult part for me. Um, it is something that I would no doubt be able to figure out, but I've never spent the time to understand the accounting around finance companies and banks. For example, if, if I looked at the financial statements of, say, Fisher & Paykel, I would be able to pretty quickly get an understanding of how the business has been going. Um, not the valuation or anything like that, but I'd, 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 you, you, you see things are getting better just by looking at the statements. So I do not get the same understanding with companies like Geneva, so I just move on. Um, it, it sounds ignorant, but... If I do not understand it, I'll pass pretty quickly. And this has annoyed some people in the past. They've made the effort of bringing me ideas or anything like that. And I, after a couple of seconds, just go, oh, no, nah, it's not really for me. Um, but I always have the view that it's my money and therefore I'm protect- protective about where I invest it. Um, I think with if you were researching a company like Geneva and, and crack on, I would really understand the potential risks. I mean, these sorts of, how do I say, I guess finance and human capital companies can go tits up really quickly. Look at CBO, even though it wasn't necessarily a finance company. It can go wrong very quickly sometimes. So understand the the assets and the liabilities. Um, I would also get a really good understanding of the notes to the financial statements. That's where you're going to find a lot of stuff. Um, that's just my view. Um, it doesn't mean that you cannot... I think if if it's your sort of thing, it's your sort of wheelhouse. It, it's great, um, and you can get a good understanding of 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 those sorts of companies and have an edge over people like me that don't really bother. And there's a lot of people like me that look at these finance companies and their financial statements and banks and their financial statements and just pass. Um, Warren Buffett has that approach. He he, although this would be the sort of company he would invest in if he could if he thought it was good. Um, he has said that he'll be able to tell you if he's interested in finding out more about something within a couple of minutes. And I've adopted that mentality as well. Uh, when you think about it, I think it makes sense. It might mean that I'm missing some opportunities. I mean, the classic one is Plexia. Even though I've interviewed the CEO on a couple of occasions, I couldn't quite get my head around head around it, so I passed. I mean, I know they make apps for McDonald's and they charge a fee to McDonald's, but I think understanding the sustainability and the durability of that is 
is is just hard and I, I couldn't quite get my head around it so I, I, I passed and you know I missed out on that op- opportunity and when I interviewed the CEO the stock like tripled in a really short period of time and you might think I'd be stressed about that sort of kicking myself and of course I, I kicked myself as a, as a joke but I don't think I deserve to make money on something that I do not understand it's just like I do not deserve to lose money on something that I do not understand. So I just don't put myself in, in that position. I, If I can't immediately understand it or, or get my head around it, then what, what's the point of me investing in it? And I hope that makes sense. It just comes back to personal responsibility for me. I, I do not want to be blaming someone else when, when things go wrong. If I lose money in an investment, it is my fault. So say I go buy Geneva Finance without really understanding and the, and the stock goes down and it turns out something happened that, you know, and, and, I, and I would just go, oh, that wasn't my fault because of this. I don't really want to be in that sort of situation. You know, if if something goes wrong with the stock, then I've either made a mistake and that's my mistake um, or I was, yeah, or it's was, was just wrong. Um, and, and again, that's my, not my problem as well, not anyone else's. Um, we talked about valuations. Uh, I heard a saying a while ago, and then I heard it again recently on another investing podcast, and I think it's brilliant. It, it goes something like this. You do not need to know someone's weight to know if they're fat, and you just apply that to valuations. Basically, if you need to do a precise valuation to figure out if something's cheap, then it's probably too close to call. Um, you know, I I would have to do a very detailed and precise valuation to figure out Geneva Finance, so it's too close to call for me. I, I do not need to know Sonny Bill's exercise regime to know if he's in good shape or not, and I, I just apply that to companies. When you find one that you know is undervalued, then you'll just know it. Um, that is, you know, you've got to spend the time looking and and looking under enough stones to figure that out, but you will just you will just know pretty quickly. And likewise, you'll find the same on the upside. It's just about getting that knowledge under your belt and learning as much as possible, taking your time and learning, learning as much of the right stuff as possible as well. And you just got to compound that learning over time. Even if you, you know, you get a lot of early gains in the early years in terms of your knowledge and everything like that. But if you just compound your knowledge and your investing ability by 2% a year or something like that afterwards, then you're going to know a lot in a, in a pretty short period of time. Right, moving on. There are not a lot of company updates at the moment as we wind down for the end of the year, but Scales Corporation released a market update during the week. Scales, for those that do not know, trades on the NZX under the ticker code SCL. I'll read the About Us section from the press release just to help if you don't know much about them. So Scales Corporation is a diversified agribusiness group. It comprises three operating divisions, horticulture, food ingredients, and logistics. The company's diverse spread of activities gives Scales broad exposure to the New Zealand's, New Zealand's agribusiness sector. Scales Corporation was founded in 1897 as a shipping business by George Herbert Scales. Today it operates across New Zealand, Australia and the United States. Find out more at scalescorporation.co.nz. Basically a big part of what they do is apples. It's funny that they didn't mention apples in the about us, but... That probably indicates they're trying to be a bit more diversified. I went along to the Scales AGM once. I once owned shares in a company. Um, it was, well, there was a good AGM. Management came across really well. Um, I, I was I was quite impressed. At that time, I can't remember what year it was, but I think I told the story in the past. But um, there's just a, there was a big Chinese company um, that had just bought, I'm guessing, I can't remember, but around 10% of the company. And they got the... 
the representative from the Chinese company to, to get up and, and say a few words. And basically, you, you couldn't understand what the guy was saying. His English was the second language, um, and he, you, you couldn't really understand what he was saying, but he was talking about what they were <laughs> what they were looking for and everything like that and who they were and, and what sort of investments they'd made and everything like that and what was important to them. And then just at the end, he goes, and dividends – and like fist pumps of the year when he says dividends, so it was it was it was quite funny. I got a, I got a laugh. Um. Anyway, I, I found the I found the first paragraph interesting. Um. And it's, and it's about dividends. Um. Of the press release, they said that they have declared a, a dividend of nine and a half cents per share. But the line, the directors reiterate their commitment to paying an annual cash dividend level of no less than nineteen cents per share. While as the company holds net cash, so they've they've put a floor on their dividend there, nineteen cents per share, while the company holds cash. It's a very specific and unique div- dividend policy. Most companies don't specify a floor, and then they've put the condition as well. Many companies' dividend policy is we will pay our dividends at our discretion. Um, you know, you read Johnson and Johnson's annual report, the company that's increased their dividends every year for the last sixty years or whatever it's been, and and they'll probably say something. The dividend is at the discretion of the directors. So it is interesting that they they come out and said that. It also gives them a bit of an out if they need it whilst the company holds net cash. So the directors reaffirmed the guidance for the year ending 31st of December 2019, underlying profit of between 32 and 37 million based on current forecasts. They're doing a lot of replanting at the moment, um, so there's going to be a lot of capex. Looking ahead to the 2020 financial year, they've provided guidance of underlying profit between about 30 to 36 million so it looks like it's going to be flat or slightly less than this year um they're going to be spending a lot on capex next year it'll be interesting to see if the dividend that they spoke about in the first paragraph comes under threat at all i guess if they spend below the net cash position it 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 might it's it's funny how sometimes i'm not saying it's the case in scales you read between the lines in these sorts of reports and, and you sort of figure out that often the directors are trying to not I guess cushion for the future. I'm not saying it's the case in this instance. So what else have we got? Um, Helen Steins, they put out a, a, a trading update, a bit of a nothing update. Group sales for the first 16 weeks of the new financial year were 7.1% higher on the prior reporting period. It's a pretty big jump. It's pretty impressive, really. Um, I was actually part of that. I recently got a couple of shirts and dress pants in my once annual clothes shop at, at, at Helen Steins at, in Silver Park. Um, so that, that's my contribution. Um, doesn't just, <laughs> doesn't explain the seven point one percent jump though. Um, they also mentioned that exchange rates are having a negative impact on margins and the ability to raise prices. Um, heading into the most important time of year for Hellenstein's, basically you know December Christmas period, pretty huge. Um, they'll update the market at the AGM on the eleventh of December. I'm not sure why they bother with this announcement. Actually, they could have lumped it all in, into the AGM, but certainly good to see. A 7.1% increase, it's a pretty big jump. Um, obviously, they have some caution there, as they always do heading into the Christmas period. Raycon, that's a company I do not think I've talked about in the podcast before. They're expecting to achieve EBITDA of between 9 and $11 million for the year ending March 31. That compares to $13.3 million for the prior year. I did not know anything about Raycon, I have to confess. Um, not 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 the first thing. But I, I see that they're a $61 million company, so I should have to do some learning. Um 
I'll read the paragraph from the update. Raycon is well positioned as the rollout of 5G gathers momentum. Raycon products are designed into tier one customers' 5G, 5G solutions, and Raycon has secured increased share allocations for the calendar year 2020. As customers secure their own contracts to roll out 5G, orders will flow to Raycon. So they're expecting to do more business as 5G rolls out, is, is what that's saying. So you know when I'm talking about a minor update from Hallenstein's and even bothering talking about Raycon that it has been a, a quiet week on the NZX. It's just the time of year. There's not a lot of happening in terms of company updates. I think Ryman Healthcare actually re normally reports during December, so maybe we have to wait for that. But wait until January and February when all the retail companies tell us how good or bad the Christmas period was. That'll be interesting. Um, anyway, anyway, I should probably stop talking. Thanks for the great year on the podcast and, and keep an ear out in a couple of weeks when I interview a CEO of a well-known NZX company. I'll give you a hint. They're in the uh, top 20 largest companies I estimate by market cap. They might be in the top 10 actually. I'd have to double check that. In fact, if you've listened this long in the podcast, then you deserve a better hint. Their main business is accepting church donations in the United States. That should narrow it down for you. <laughs> I will know how much of the podcast you have listened to if you message me and and say something like, Oh, you mentioned you're interviewing a CEO at the start of the podcast. Is it Spark or Sky City or any? Anyway, thanks again for listening to the podcast. As a reminder that nothing else said today should be considered financial advice. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz or find us and give it a like by searching on Facebook. I actually found the um, reviews the other day as well on, on Apple Podcasts, so leave a review as well. I'd be stoked on that. Uh, make sure to also share it with your friends. Email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 69 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Saturday, the 7th of December, 2019. We'll see you all again for the interview with, and I'm going to say it now, you might not even be listening, with the Pushpay CEO, um, but otherwise we'll catch you next year.